what are you expecting this morning? I really had this come up for me strong. You know, it's time to get real. What are you expecting? You cannot receive what you're not expecting, and you certainly will not receive what you're not open to. Now, I've received unexpected gifts. I've received people have done things for me, given me things. I wasn't expecting anything from that person, but I expect to see the goodness of the Lord in the the land land of of the the living. I expect to see his favor in my life. So there are people sitting here. You are in situations, and I'm saying to you, what are you expecting? Are you expecting things to change? Are you expecting answers? Are you expecting a rescue? Are you expecting the breakthrough? Are you expecting God to move in your life? Are you expecting the goodness of God? You got to be open to it. You got to to receive it. You have to want it. You you need to be looking for it. And so, Pastor, we are expecting the anointing of God to be on your life this morning. We are expecting a word of truth, and we're expecting God to speak through you. We're looking for that. Amen? All right. Amen. Come and bless the people. Thank you for being willing. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're present, that you're here with us. Such an honor and a privilege to share the same space with you, Father. To just be with you, near you, that we can draw right up to you. Father, I ask you to encounter each person here right now, every person listening by the internet, Encounter each one with your love, with, an, with your understanding, a renewed understanding, Father, of, of your love for them. How that you are always faithful. And your loving kindness, compassion, and mercy is so much bigger than what we've, we've thought. So, Father, I ask that you give us renewed understanding, that You open up our minds to, to understand, Father, that You give us ears to hear and eyes to see the truth that You teach us today. Father, we look to You. I look to You. I expect, Father, that You fill my mouth with Your words. I expect, Father, that Your words are going to go in and find good ground in the hearts of the men, women, and children in this room and listening by internet. Father, I expect that a harvest of righteousness, that light will spring forth from the Word that is sown and that Jesus is going to be lifted up and glorified. We honor You as King, Jesus. We recognize Your Lordship today over each one of our lives. So Holy Spirit, come. Father, have Your way. Your will be done. Your kingdom come in fullness today. Lord, we yield every part, every service, every second to You. In the mighty name of Jesus. And Amen. Well, hallelujah. You know, if you come expecting to receive from the Lord, and nobody said a word, you'd go home full. 
Because the Lord doesn't fail to keep His promises. And He said if you draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. He said if you, if you would come right up to Him boldly, that you would find help, that you would find grace, that you would find mercy right there in His presence. And so, we are the most privileged people on the planet. So is there anybody here that, you know, there are natural thoughts that come. There's even um, thoughts of the enemy that come. And we deal with them and we dismiss them and we go on with life. And then there's the kind of thoughts that come back and uh, they're plaguing you. You know, the kind of thing that um, maybe you take authority over it. You use the name of Jesus. You take the thought captive. But it's just constantly coming back. It's, it's, it's harassing you, to put it. That, that's really the way that thing operates. When that happens, that is a, a, a great time for you to recognize that it went from the natural into the spiritual. Okay, When something moved from just a natural thought, or, or maybe it's even an evil spirit that gave the thought, but, I mean, they present lots of thoughts, right? That you just dismiss and, and don't plague you. But yet, on the other hand, if the thing keeps bugging you, if it seems like you have just been fighting this thing, if that's you, I want you to stand up and just be real bold. We're not going to ask you what it is, but we're going to pray over you and we're going to break that off of you and take authority over that, that spirit being. And then uh, we're going to, to pray for you. And then the lesson today that I preach is going to give you a lot of help in continuing in victory going forward. Okay? Alright, so in the back we have someone standing. What I would like is for some of you that, um, or anyone that you see standing, I want a few people to gather around them and um, just lay your hands on them and we're going to pray over each one of them. You know, there is a name that's above every name. Whether it be fear, whether it be a lust, whether it be um, a desire that is just simply not of God, whether it be anything that does not lift up Jesus. If you've been struggling with that again and again and just not had victory, then, then this morning is, is for you. Alright, just start praying in the Spirit. Father, I thank You, Lord, that we just lift up each one of these individuals to You. And you know them, you know they're coming, they're going, you know everything about them. There's no detail that's been left out, Father. So according, in obedience to you and according to your word, we take authority over these foul devils that have been harassing and afflicting their minds. And in the name of Jesus, I break this thing right now. I break this spirit off of you in the name of Jesus. And I release peace upon you, the peace of God. Father, we just set a guard on their mind. A guard against this foul devil that has afflicted them. We plead the blood of Jesus over them that breaks every spiritual bondage, every soulish affliction, and we call life and health to Your mind and peace to Your mind that You, Father, guard their mind as You have promised to do. And I thank You, Lord, that... All of your promises are yes and amen. Over here, we had someone else stand up. Would you want someone join him? We break every demonic power off of your mind. 
Every influence that has come to you again and again, we just sever it in the name of Jesus. You no longer have power over them. You no longer have influence over them. Their mind is the mind of Christ. Their mind is the mind of Christ. Their mind is the mind of Christ. And think thoughts that are separated for you, Lord. And I thank you for this. I thank You for this. Father, I thank You that You encounter them right now in their mind with peace that completely passes all understanding, completely defies logic, with peace that settles down into their spirit, Lord. I thank You for doing this in the mighty name of Jesus. And amen. Someone say, I have the mind of Christ. I routinely say something about myself. And about my mind. And I say, my mind has been separated unto the Lord. My body has been separated unto the Lord. My tongue has been separated. Another word, if you like a more holy sounding word. Sanctified. But it means the same thing. My tongue is sanctified unto you, O Lord. It means it's set apart for your use, Lord. My mind is set apart for Your use, Lord. My soul, my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears are set apart for You, Lord. For Your purposes, for Your service, for Your plan to do Your bidding. They are not my own, they are Yours. And man, that helps me a lot when I do that. Man, if I'm struggling with something, that just like, it cuts things off. And it sets things in place. And if you, are, if you struggle with something, if you continue... You know, I remember um, one time... Sometimes there's things that we do that open up the enemy to continually come back to us. And, and not long after we were Spirit-filled, I was really, really feeling unforgiven. You know, I knew the blood of Jesus forgives me. I knew that it was more than enough for anything I had ever done. And I'd, I'd been a bad boy, you know? And... Um, Yet I knew that my badness was no match for His goodness and for His blood, right? So it was more than enough. So that was settled in my mind. What I could not grasp was, why does this affliction of feeling unforgiven keep coming at me? This feeling, right? And so I would take authority. I take bind that thought in the name of Jesus. That's a high-minded thought. I cast it down. I don't allow it in my mind. Father, my mind is yours. Man, I'd, I feel free. And five minutes later, the thing was back. It was like the thing left and went out of the building and then just came right back in. And so, no, I rebuked it. I'm free, you know, so you just ignore it. Nope, I'm free. I'm free. I, the blood of Jesus cleanses me and... Pretty soon you go, that thing's still here. So we do it again. This goes on for like a couple days. And um, I called a friend of mine and I said, you know, I've been dealing with this. I just thought maybe you could uh, pray and and that'll help me. He says, okay, uh, I'm actually driving by. I'm going to be coming by your house like in two minutes. And um, can, can my wife and I just stop in and pray with you? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So we met them out in the garage, Jen and I and them too. Now, prior to my uh, being filled with the Spirit, I, had, I didn't listen to any Christian music. You see, I, I, liked, I really liked music. I mean, it had a place in my life that music shouldn't have. 
And so I was into all kinds of music, and, and um, one of the groups that I liked I mean, was Metallica. All right, I'm not recommending it, I'm just saying that was who I liked. And um, now since I'd gotten spirit-filled, I hadn't been listening to anything except worship music. I had just, you know, Lord, my ears are consecrated to you, and, and I just cut all of it off. I didn't get rid of it, I just stopped listening to it. I mean, but I had thousands of hours of music on my, on my computer, you know all the things I used to listen to. And um, so they come and they meet us in the garage and we're standing there. And um, we begin to pray. And Vern, he, he was my friend that stopped in, he says, he prays this way. He said, Lord, show him what the open door is, why this keeps coming back. And bam, just like that, I knew. I mean, it was just a knowing just came into me. And I said, whoa, stop. Hold it. I'll be right back. And I go into my office, I get my computer, my iTunes pulled up, I go to Metallica, there's a song called Unforgiven, The Unforgiven, I think maybe is the title of it. And I delete that song out of my library. And it's a song about being unforgiven, right? So I delete that song out of my library. We go back out and I say, okay, let's keep praying. And I said, I, I know where it was coming from, I just went and dealt with it. So be quick. To shut those doors when you see what they are. In fact, <laughs> Jesus said it this way when it came to unforgiveness. When you, when you come to the altar and you're praying and you realize there's an issue, stop right there, go deal with it, and then come back and finish your prayer. Well, that's just what I did, right? And it was dealing with unforgiveness. And uh, I didn't know how scriptural that was at the moment. It was just something I knew I must do. So we finished our prayer and, you know, that was just ended completely severed it, completely ended it. It was a spiritual thing. That song was giving that access into my life. I don't know how all those things work. All I know is that I was in bondage and then I was free. I was blind, but then I could see, right? And that was how we got there, by the power of Jesus. So, for you, if, for those things that, that, um, that afflicted you, one of the things, if that happens for you, ask the Lord, how is this thing coming? And allow him, then be silent. Be quiet. Listen. What's he saying on the end? What's he showing you? Maybe he shows you a picture on the inside. Maybe he brings a scripture to you. Maybe he, you know, that, that little nudging on the inside, that one thing in the corner of your heart that, no, nah, it's not that. It probably is. Because why is it coming up, right? <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about a whole lot more than you want to let on. <laughs> so Romans 12, in verse 2, it says, be not conformed to this age. Don't allow the pressure of the age to shape you. Don't allow yourself to take on the shape of the age. Don't allow yourself to look like the age. Don't allow yourself to take on its image. Its image. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed. Transformed. You ever watch a, uh, a caterpillar turn into a butterfly? I mean, from a worm to something beautiful. I mean, it's amazing. Completely changes shape. It was one thing, and then it's a completely a different thing. Transformed. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's how the transformation comes, is in your mind. See, you have been given the mind of Christ. So since the mind of Christ has been given to you, that means you have an inside track 
to being renewed. You have the inside information to becoming changed, transformed into the image of God. So that, and here's the purpose and the reason, so that you may discern or know what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The whole purpose of having a renewed mind is to know the will of God. That's the reason. Okay? So, if you know the will of God, what's implied is you're going to go do the will of God. Right? So, obedience comes next. So, once you know it, you go do it. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is foolishness. In Ephesians it says, don't be foolish, but know what the will of God is. So don't, don't fall into the enemy's trap, because sometimes he tra- well, you're better off not knowing, just being in ignorance to what the Lord wants, because then he won't judge you for it. Oh, no. No, no. You know, on the day of judgment, Jesus judges both the sheep the saved people, and the goats, the unsaved people, the same way. The judgment of works. And judges them based on what they did for the body of Christ. Not what they did for humanity. Go read it. That's what it says. It's for the body of Christ. So, we have to... So, so my point is, is, there was both groups said, well, when did we see you? How are you judging us for something that we don't even know about? Because it's our responsibility to know. And we're going to be held accountable whether we did it or didn't. Whether you knew or not. Because the Lord has made available for you to know. And if you don't know the will of God, the fault does not lie with Him. The fault lies with you. In Romans 8 it says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So He wants to lead you more than you want to be led, I assure you. So let's, let's avail ourselves to the Lord. The ISV version reads this way, Do not be conformed to this world, but be continually transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may be able to determine what God's will is, what is proper, pleasing, and perfect. Last week we asked the question, What are you believing? Whose report are you believing? Do you believe the first report that comes along? Right? Do you, do you listen to the devil and his many options that he gives you and they're all bad options? Right? We determine, no, we don't want to choose any of his options. We're going to go this way over here. You know, the Word says that the heart of the righteous is inclined to the right and the heart of the fool inclines to the left. Think about that politically. That's what it says in Ecclesiastes. I'm not making it up. You can Google it. So whose report are you believing? Should we believe the report of gossip about our brother and sister? Can you believe they did that? Yeah, they said so and so. How dare they? Well, maybe we shouldn't be so quick to believe the wrong and a little quicker to say, now wait a minute. They probably didn't mean it that way. They probably weren't thinking of how that sounded. They probably didn't mean anything by that. In fact, what I know about them is they're a pretty good person. I mean, they're, they're pretty kind. I just don't think that sounds like them. And allow you, you be a gossip graveyard. 
Gossip comes to you to die. Be a gossip graveyard. I didn't say kill the gossips. Kill the gossip. Proverbs 12, 5 says the thoughts of the righteous are just. So that means our thoughts need to be right. There is a right thought and there are wrong thoughts. Put up uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5 in the New King James. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. We'll read several verses there. And let's go through those together. And while you're finding that, I'll read to you out of Corinthians. Um, I'm so, a different place out of Corinthians. You find 1 Corinthians 13. In 2 Corinthians, another text that we've been using in verse 18 says, We all with unveiled faces are reflecting the glory of the Lord and are being transformed, changed, caterpillar, butterfly. We're being changed, transformed into the same image. The same image that we're beholding. The same image that we're looking at. We're being changed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, the change does not come to you because of what you're seeing on the outside. The change only comes to you because of what you're seeing on the inside. The change that you're going to go through is because He has put a born-again Spirit on the inside of you. He has put His Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You have become the temple of God and that change is going to be from the inside out. And guess what's on the inside is your mind. And since it's the mind of Christ is what Scripture says, all His thoughts have been given to you. His way of thinking. His way of examining things. His way of believes all things. Believes the good report. All of those things are yours on the inside. And as you look at He that is greater than He that's in the world who is in you, as you look at that, that is where that reflection and change begins to come from. It's not on something exterior. In fact, if, if you go on later in 2 Corinthians 4, if, um, Paul is saying, man, we're, we're, we're pressured, we're persecuted. We're pre-, um, in verse 8 he says, we are troubled, are pressured on every side, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. One translation says down, but not out. They went down, but they're getting back up. And he goes on and he, he says a few verses later, he says that just as the one who wrote how they believed and spoke, we therefore also believe and speak. And he makes some declarations and he, he says in verse uh, 16, therefore we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. See, if they would have just looked at the outside, man, they would have given up and quit. Yet that's not what they were looking at. It says their inner person was being, being renewed, had rest, was becoming stronger. It says for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And he's talking about seeing with your spiritual eyes. So look on the inside, where the Spirit of God resides, where the Spirit of Christ is. Look in there for the victory. Stop looking out here for the answer. Stop looking out here for, for where the, the victory, the rescue is coming from. 
and start looking in here because everything you need to absolutely transform your life from one end of the wall to the other end is in here, in the Spirit of Christ. There's nothing that He has left out. Everything required for life and godliness is what it says in Peter. He has given unto us. All right, did you find 1 Corinthians 13? Let's look at verse 5 in the New King James. Talking about love, it says, Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Thinks no evil. Man, in the day and age we're in, it's really easy to think evil. Because we're so inundated with it. Your news feeds and everything, your radio, your television, uh, the books at the bookstore, all the people everywhere you go, you know, at the hairdresser, that's what they're talking about. I mean, I don't run into that, but you might. You know, everywhere you go, the topic is of the evil of the age. And so it's really easy to allow that to start to change and shape and form who we are rather than allowing the love of God to form who you are. From the inside out. Let's keep reading in verse 6. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. There is truth. There is a sure truth. Rejoices in truth. You know, if you're in a relationship that's struggling, and you want to know who's right. Am I right? Are they right? Well, Maybe you ought to be more concerned about what's right rather than who's right. Rejoice in truth. Verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The Amplified says in verse 7 says, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And it endures everything without weakening. So we looked last week, we said let's not assume that we know how to think just automatically, that we just automatically get it right. But let's ask the Lord, what should I think about that? How should I think about that? And He will, by His Spirit on the inside of you, never misdirect you. There are times you may not hear correctly, but again, that's on our side. All right, let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And going further today, we want to learn what to think and what not to think. Second Corinthians 10 and verse 5. Let's put it up in the uh, New King James. Casting down. Now, this, is, this, this word casting down, it means to demolish. But the very literal rendering of that word would be to throw down with violence. To throw down with violence. Well, people have been doing the statues. Uh, yanking them down, destroying them, right? That's what we are to do with arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against, against your pride? No. Against things that offend you? No. Every high thing that does what? exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This is what you're supposed to do. Cast it down violently, ruthlessly. Bring every thought 
into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bring every thought into captivity. Means it's bound and fettered. It can't just run around willy-nilly however it wants to. Take every thought captive. Especially those that come against the knowledge of Christ. We demolish arguments in every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of Christ. So throw it down with violence. So based on this reading, could we gather that we have the ability and power to choose what we think? Not only do we have the ability and power to choose what we think, we can actually take certain thoughts captive to where they don't have the effect on us anymore. According to this scripture, let's go over to Luke chapter 12. In Luke 12, verse 22, Jesus is speaking. Then He said to His disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. So what are we not to do? Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about your provisions. Don't worry about where you're going to live. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry. Don't take care. Don't... See, worry is just a form of fear. And our bodies were never created or designed to handle worry. They weren't designed to do that. That's why, you know, if someone... Have you ever heard the phrase, someone got scared to death? Like, fear hit them so strong and hard and it killed them? Well, if fear can kill you, that's worry... That's what fear is. It's an extreme version of it. If it can kill you, it can certainly make you sick. Well, doctors have it all over. You know, they talk about how bad stress, how much stress, the cortisol levels and all those things, how that's really unhealthy for you. And your body is not designed for that. And so that's why again and again and again in Scripture, we see the instruction is don't worry. Worry is a thought. We're still talking about our thoughts. It's saying, don't think this. Don't think this. And he said, is it okay to be said, no, no, don't think that. Don't think that. Jesus said it. He says, don't worry about it. He goes on and he says, man, the ravens, they don't sow or reap. So they're not putting those laws into action, are they? They don't have a storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add a cubit to his height by worrying? By thought? By intense thinking? No, you can't. He goes, if then you're not even able to do a little thing, he thinks growing a cubit by, by worrying is a little thing. Isn't God amazing? But to us, that's like an impossible thing. But it's a little thing. Why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will He do for you, you of little faith? Don't keep striving for what you should eat and what you should drink. And don't be anxious. Here He's saying it again. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. For the nations of the world eagerly seek all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Don't think that. Now instead, He tells you what to think. 
But instead, seek the kingdom of God and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid. Here it is again. Don't be afraid. How many times through Scripture does that come up? Like anytime someone gets a bad report or something about it to go down that looks scary, what's the first words out of the prophet or out of Jesus or whoever's in that situation, their mouth is don't fear. Or the angel, if it's an angel there, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't think those thoughts. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. That is awesome. He delights to give it to you. It's His joy. He delights in it. He delights in it. Jesus just repeatedly said, do not fear. Don't think. You know, uh, I'll read a number of scriptures to you real quickly in Matthew 9, 4. But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, why are you thinking evil things in your hearts? He wouldn't say, why are you thinking that if they didn't have the ability to not think it? He's asking, why are you thinking it? Because he's expecting them to be thinking something different. Why are you thinking those thoughts? You're not captive to your thoughts. You can choose what to think. In, in Matthew 3.9, he says, and do, do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. He's saying, don't think that way. Matthew 5.17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Don't think this, he's saying. Matthew 10.34, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. We know that Romans 8.6 says the mindset of the spirit, or the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is peace and life. Peace and life. Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God is not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. Right? So, if He would think thoughts of good thoughts, I know the thoughts I'm thinking about you back there in Jeremiah's day. Certainly, He would do that to His new, better covenant children today. I know the thoughts I'm thinking about you. And they're not bad thoughts, they're good thoughts. I know some translations say, I know the plans I've planned for you. Well, you can't plan something without putting thought into it. If you plan it, it's because you spent time thinking those thoughts and now you've put them in orderly sequence of here's how we're going to execute those thoughts. Isaiah 26.3 You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. You keep in perfect peace the mind that is stayed, is glued, fastened like concrete, is steadfast. The mind that is stuck on you. So that means then there's something we should not think, but there's also something that we should think. On one side is worry, on the other side is peace. And I sincerely doubt there's anybody sitting here today that doesn't already know this. That doesn't already have the mental awareness of we are able to think we can change our minds, we can change subjects when we're having conversations. We all agree that you can change your thoughts and go to something else. But yet, 
then when we are alone, sometimes we forget that, don't we? Go over to Luke chapter 10. Here in just a moment, I want you to turn your attention to the screen, and I want to have you watch a little video clip. How many of you remember the movie uh, City Slickers? And (laughs) I'm not recommending you watch it. It's been so long since I watched it that I don't remember if it's a good movie or a bad movie, so don't go say, Pastor told me to watch this movie. But I watched it long ago, right? And there was something that always stayed with me that I remember and has, has stuck with me. So if you would, play that, play that clip and make sure it's loud enough we can all hear real well. While they're bringing that, make sure you find Luke 10. All right, let's keep, uh, while they're working on that, I'm going to read to you out of Luke 10. While, in verse 38, while they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Well, that was a nice thing to do, wasn't it? Hospitable. That's a godly thing. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and was listening to what He said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. Look, in their culture, still in that culture over there, it is impolite and rude to allow someone to come into your home and to not serve them food, beverages, tea, to to wait upon them. Their culture deems it important that you do this. And so Martha has a great reason for saying, hey, this is important. I mean, after all, this is the Master. He's our guest. He's with us. So surely we should just go, you know, serve Him with the best of everything that we have. Go ahead and play it. I need some volume. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you've got to figure out. All right, let's read the next verse. Verse 42. But one thing. Here's the answer. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part. And it will not be taken away from her. I think you're getting ready to play something else. Okay. See... Martha was being shaped by her culture, by what's expected, by the responsibilities of all the tasks that she had to do. And she allowed that pressure to mold her, and she had become, she was worried, she's fretting, she is out of sorts, and, you know, we've got the Messiah in the house, and I'm completely missing everything He has to offer because I haven't chosen that thing, I've chosen other things. And when she comes to the Lord and presents her case, and the Lord says, well, Mary has chosen the one thing that's needful. How how are we transformed again? By the renewing of our mind. By the words of the Lord to us. Which is what Mary is listening to. She's choosing the one thing. So that means she is taking things in and going to think those things. 
Martha, on the other hand, is thinking many other things. Her thoughts are on other things. Now, I don't know because the story doesn't tell us this, but I like to think that Martha says, oh, and sat down too. And that she took that as correction. We don't know that, but we know that their relationship um, was good later. He did many things for them and they supported him. So I don't think she took offense to it. Let's say it that way. In 1 Kings 18.21, you remember how Elijah had called all the people up to Mount Carmel. And, you know, they're in the middle of this three-year drought. He said it's not going to rain. All of this is happening. And so finally he calls together, um, uh, well, he told Ahab, he said, call everybody together. And then Ahab, um, he does that. He calls all of Israel together, all of his prophets of Baal and some other prophets, and they all gather up on the mountain. And then Elijah addresses everyone. And he says, he approached all the people. He said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions, between two lines of thought? If Yahweh is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. But the people didn't answer Him a word. You remember in James 1.8 where it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That word double-minded, it's where we get the word um, two or duo. It means two-minded. Duo. It's not having a single mind set on something. Verse 42, read it again here. But one thing is necessary. Thinking one thing. Thinking the one thing. Not many things, but thinking the one thing is the good part. You know, the psalmist wrote in, in Psalms 27.4, he said, one thing I ask from the Lord. One thing I have desired from the Lord. Some translations say, Lord, I desire one thing. What was that one thing he desired? He said, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Choosing that needed thing, that one thing. Remember Mark 14, where Peter is out there walking on the water? The disciples are in the boat. Jesus comes and they see him. They think it's a ghost. They're terrified. Seeing was not believing for them. For them, seeing was being fearful. And so Jesus says, What does he say? Don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid, it's me. Man, how reassuring, right? When they thought that. Some spooky ghost is coming by. Oh, it's just Jesus. And Peter says, well, if it's you, call me out there. And I don't know. I imagine Jesus' heart must have just warmed. Yeah, he's getting it. This is for you too. Come. And so Peter clambers out of the boat and he heads out over through there. He is walking on the water because he's being single-minded. Upon the Word that transforms him from someone who goes glug, glug, glug to walking on water. Is walking on water even possible? Well, not without it being frozen. The laws of nature have to be suspended for him to walk on the water. And he gets out through there and it says he saw the wind and the waves and he feared. He allowed other thoughts to come in and distract him. And he begins to sink. And he cries out to the Lord. He says, save me. And the Lord grabs his hand. They get back into the boat. And he asks them the question, why did you be two-minded? 
That's what that word doubt is. Duo. That's where we get it from. Why were you two-minded? Why did you try to think two things? The Word said come, so I'm coming, but these wind and waves. Two-minded. Not being single-focused. Someone say, my mind is my mind. I can think what I should think. I do not have to think. Things I should not think. I control my mind. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let it rule in your heart. No, let it. That means that you're going to make a deliberate choice what you're going to think. If it's nightmares, if it's, if it's um, other things, if it's fears about financial failures or maybe fears about coronavirus or fears about other sicknesses or fears that things are never going to go back to normal or fears that, you know, on and on and on. Maybe it's, maybe it's fears about a sickness or a disease. Uh, all of those things. Don't give them any space in your head. You have the ability and the power to choose to think something differently. Put put Philippians 4, 6 up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read to you while they put up Philippians 4. You know, in in chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, they said, um, the writer says here, he says, we are to keep our eyes keeping our eyes on Jesus. There's a reason we have to keep our eyes on Him. Because we are so easily distracted. And you say, well, yeah, but these things keep coming back. I understand. However, you have the ability to reject that and think this. And you're going to have to deliberately do it. I didn't say it's easy. But you have the ability to choose it. We've done this in our own lives again and again and again. I mean, I remember when after a couple years after we'd gotten married, um, I haven't always been real easy to live with. And so Jen was uh, pretty sure that she'd made a mistake in marrying me. And so uh, she just didn't have a whole lot of, of good thoughts about me anymore. And so she's listening to uh, something from Bob Harrison, and, or his wife actually, and his wife had this teaching about how she had been in those, that shape and said that what she did is she got this list and every day she would add to the list of good things about, about her husband. And before long she had like this long list and it transformed her thinking and her thoughts and her demeanor toward her husband and changed her life and all these good things, right? So Jen hears that. She goes, well, that's good. If it'll work for her, it'll work for me. So she begins, she says, okay, I'm going to make a list of his good traits. And she gets her pen and gets her paper and goes, well, huh, what do I put down? Right? Because can't think of any. Because I'm a rascal, right? So she, finally she comes up with two things. Two things. And um, puts those down on the list. And I don't know how I'm ever going to get a full page on this thing. And she puts it on her mirror. And every day she's going to add to this list. But you know what begins to happen? She begins to... It could be something real simple. Like, he, he opened the door for me today. Or he, you know, did a chore I was, should be doing. You know, takes his plate to the sink. Or just something real simple, right? Because there might have not been a lot of good things. But she's looking for anything she can take a hold of that is in his favor. And it's a deliberate choice. Does disgust, does all the other things come to her? Well, yeah. 
all the times I'm a rascal, does that... But instead of thinking that, I'm going to think about those two good things I have on the list in the bathroom. And so the next day, you've got to write something else on the list. Well, that means she had to be examining me and watching me. Oh, there's something good. I can put that on the list. So, because at first it's a concern that I'm not going to be able to fill out a paper, and that's not good. Now it causes her to change her focus from the things she does not like about me to begin to look at the things she does appreciate about me. So now she's like a spy watching for these things. Ah, there's one with joy and writes it down. And it completely changed her outlook on me. She thought when the whole thing was done, she's like, you've changed. I'm like, I don't think I have. I think I'm the same guy I was. But see, what did change was on the inside of her, 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 what she was looking at, what she was focusing on. And she had like a whole sheet full and then some, and it made a massive difference in her joy, in her fulfillment, because of she simply changed her thoughts. She had to change the images, right? So keeping our eyes on Jesus, the answer, Our eyes on Jesus, the source, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy lay before Him, endured a cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider Him. And then he says, and don't grow weary and lose heart. Think about Him. Consider Him. Keep Him the dominant thought in your mind as you struggle with that whatever it is. Philippians 4, did you find it? Don't worry. Here it is again. Instruction. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition. Everything. Through prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. See, finding things you're grateful for. Completely will change your thinking. Become the most thankful person you know. Let your requests be made known to God. You, you don't have to think those thoughts of defeat. Those thoughts of, you know, what are you thinking? If, if you're in, in depression, you know, I just, I just feel like I'm not valuable, nobody likes me. Stop saying that to yourself. Start saying what the Lord says about you. I have the mind of Christ. I was so valuable, He sent His only Son to rescue me. And start saying and taking your identity from Him. The peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatsoever is true. Now here's the things you're supposed to think. Whatever is honorable, whatever is true, whatever is just or right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned. There's the hard part. Do what you have learned. How many know that you can have all the head knowledge in the world, but as long as you don't do it, it doesn't benefit you. You have to do it. You have to make the choice. No, I'm not going to fear. You could still have fear symptoms in your flesh. Your knees may be quivering, but you choose to direct your thoughts and hearts and Speak the promise. Speak the promise. No, the Lord said He delivers me from all my diseases. The Lord said that He brings a little child out of my womb. The Lord said that He delivers me from all my troubles. 
and you begin to dwell on that and see that and, and see the picture of deliverance from Him. Someone say, I have the power to choose what I think. And I think the Lord's thoughts. Alright, I am going to, uh, we're going to take communion in just a moment. And how many know that what Jesus did for you hasn't grown any weaker? It hasn't somehow lost its potency. It hasn't somehow become less than what it was. And when He hung on that cross... For you and I, and He took the beating for you and I, and He took from, they put a crown of thorns on His head. All of that was for you and I's healing. Not just for them back there, but for you and I as well. You know, I always wanted to do that. <laughs> put these gloves on and make sure I don't get any cooties on it for you. But Jesus took the bread in, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said that the Lord showed this to him. and He said he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks for it. So Father, we thank you this morning for your broken body for us. We thank you, Lord, that you saw fit to give us your body to take stripes, to take a beating, to, to be crucified, be speared, punched, slapped, spit on. All these things that you did it for our healing. Father, I thank You that Your Word is true and we just receive it today. And amen. The bread that He took, He gave thanks. He broke it. Did you know that part of the, what He did for you and I, He took those stripes to heal cancer. He took it to heal headaches. He took it for autoimmune diseases like diabetes, like Alzheimer's, like Parkinson's disease, that He took for our joint health and life. His body was broken for every cancer that is named, for every rash, every skin disease. His body was broken, crucified. By His stripes we are healed is what the Word says. So that means... Who's believing to be healed from anything in particular? Shout it out. Diabetes. Shout it loud. Back pain. Shoulder pain. High blood pressure. Thyroid problems. Foggy mind. I'm not saying what you said is because I didn't hear you. All the diseases of Egypt. Thank God for that. They had some ugly ones. Every disease that I didn't name this morning. Inflammation. That's right. Stomach problems. Gallbladder problems. Bladder problems. Muscle and ligament problems. Arthritis. Coronavirus. 
the flu, heart problems, liver problems, kidney problems, teeth problems, tongue problems, brain problems, eyesight, yes, that's right, our eyes, our hearing, our ears, allergies, healed from allergies by His stripe. The Lord saw fit to take all of these things. He thanked, he looked up, he, he thanked the Father for the opportunity to take it. Isn't that amazing? Asthma, yes, breathing problems. Bronchitis, the common cold. Pneumonia. Problems in the soulish realm. Hurts that you've experienced. Trauma that you've experienced. Abuse that you've experienced. Those of you that were molested as kids. Healing for you in your soul. Autism. Father, I thank You for Your goodness your kindness. Father, I thank You that You paid the price for all of these things. None of them now belong to us. But they belong to You, Lord. That even though we deserved them, Father, You took your, allowed Your body to be broken to pay the price for that healing. Every disease, every sickness, every malady, every anything that is wrong in your physical body or your soul realm, He gave healing. He bore our pain, your pain, sickness, your disease. He heals all our infirmities. He also took the cup and He gave thanks. And He said something in particular that we want to look at this morning. In the same way, He took the cup and after supper said, this cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. The new covenant in His blood. What does that covenant mean to you? What's in the covenant? Relationship with the Father, right? To be given access to the throne room of heaven. Restoration. Reconciled to the Father. Every sin that you've ever committed, forgiven. Every sin that you will ever commit has already been paid for. You just need put it under the blood. 
lying, gossip, slander, fornication, adultery, lust, pornography, greed, which is idolatry, all forms of idolatry, anything that we put before, before the Lord. Sometimes that's family. Stealing, murder, hate, accusations, evil imaginations, strife, grumpiness. allowing you to have right standing before the Lord that with this cup you come to the Father in boldness and confidence He hears you He calls you by name says you are mine this covenant will stand forever between you and me and all that is mine in heaven belongs to you all that is mine in heaven I've told you to pray that it would come forth on the earth. That's what he said when he taught the disciples to pray. So this cup that he, he gave to us, his blood and, and the broken body, is for the healing of our body and soul and for the redemption of our spirit. Father, we thank you for your, your blood, for your covenant. Thank you for your your body, broken body for us. And we just receive it. We fix our eyes on You, Lord, and what You've accomplished for us. Thank You for delivering us when we've gotten sick. Thank You for protecting us from getting sick. Thank You, Father, for keeping us. For Your hedge of protection. Covenant of life. In Jesus' name. Now what we're going to do is we're going to my wife and I will take this and uh, we'll um, just pass it to you guys as you can be in a spirit of prayer and then we'll take it together. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. Lord, that you made a way for healing and life to come into our physical body, that you renew our body day by day that you renew our strength that we can mount up with wings as eagles that we can run and not be weary Father thank you that you've given us the vision to be able to soar above it all and we determine Lord to keep our eyes fixed on you my family and I we multiple times have been healed at a communion service and when we just took that bread and 
we said this is for my healing I had allergies really really badly I'd wake up with my eyes swelled shut and I was taking medication that went way past what the doctors prescribed just to try to stay ahead of it one day at communion, we had just learned about all of this for several months, that there is healing in the body of Christ. And so I took it for my healing. And I've never... I've never had to take any medication again and those allergies were completely healed it was completely delivered from them Ariel our oldest daughter according to the doctor's report wasn't supposed to survive the pregnancy said it wouldn't happen and everything in the natural looked like they were right but the report that we kept going back to and believing was the report that said by his stripes we are healed and at a communion service Jen took the bread and we believed God together that what he did was enough. If you want to know the rest of the story, you can go say hello to Ariel down in the basement after the service. She made it. Take a hold of the bread and let's just break it. It's broken for your body. Take and receive life and health in the name of Jesus. this seals it. This is the covenant in my blood. Redemption, life eternal, salvation, and no other name but Jesus received. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us today. Your faithfulness through all generations. You are good. you to do is take those cups. We'll have a uh, thing beside the door that you can put them in, a trash can. And um, because we've gone so long over time, I'm going to ask everyone to move as quickly as possible down to the lower level to clear this out for Brother Demike and the Ethiopian congregation. Good morning. We're so happy to see each and every one of you here today at Church of the Word International here in Lancaster. God bless you all. Hallelujah. 
like to encourage you in our worship time together. We know that the Father is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Want to be sought out today? <laughs> Good question. The Father seeking you. David was such an re- amazing man of God. He was imperfect, made mistakes, but he loved God and he knew his God. He knew him. In 1 Chronicles, when he brought the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David, he starts off, this is his prayer. He said, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Three things, pretty powerful. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name and make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing praises to him. Talk about his wonderful deeds that he's done. That's when you get in with fellowshipping with people. You talk about the Lord, all the wonderful things that he's done in your life. Glory unto his name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Be mindful always of his covenant with you personally. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among the nations. For great is the Lord and greatly to be feared among all on the earth. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let men say among the heathen, Our God reigns. Hallelujah. Our God reigns right now, present tense, in our presence. Our God reigns. That's the truth. So when we believe that, we confess that. Verse 34 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is so good, and his mercy endureth forever. Well, let's all stand up together. We have so much to be thankful for, and so much to give him glory for. So let's open our mouths together, hearts united as one, one voice, one heart, as a family of God in this place, and let's give him all the praise and glory. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you for this day. We shake off all the junk of the world today. Just go ahead and do that. Shake it off. <laughs> shake off all the stuff. We, we come today, Father, to minister to you, to worship you in spirit and truth. Thank you for the joy that accompanies your manifest presence among us. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, come invade this place, invade our hearts, fill this place with your presence. We thank you ahead of time. Our joy will be full. And everybody said, Amen. Go ahead.
Jesus, 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 the precious, matchless, treasured name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our triumphant King, splendor of the ages, the Word made alive who dwelt among us, Christ in me, the hope of glory the life of God living and dwelling, the great mystery that's been revealed in this age, in this dispensation. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Say that, Christ in me, the hope of glory. You don't have to look any further than inside of you for your helper, your deliverer, your savior your healer, your baptizer, everything you need. He's the chief problem solver. He's the answer of the ages. He's the answer of your question today. He's everything that you need. He's wrapped up inside of you. And the Father gave us a book, a love letter called the Bible. It's our instruction book. It's the way to know. You don't have to wonder. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He is our soon coming king. That's our lit, that's our purpose for living. Uh, the kingdom come. That song was so beautiful, John. Thy kingdom come. It's our purpose for living is to see the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Rich in our lives today, but looking for the sky to split for that kingdom to come. Amen. Our eyes are ever on you, Lord. You're the author and finisher of our faith. Yes, the birth pains will come, but our eyes are on you. It makes everything worthwhile. You make everything worthwhile. Encourage each other with these things. As the world is getting darker and fading and fading, Jesus is becoming more alive in me and you and in the glorious church, the body of Christ. Encourage each other with this. Be encouraged yourself. Think about Jesus and our soon coming King. Amen. We'll turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here today. Encourage one another in the Lord, that Jesus Christ, he's alive and well in me. Glory to God. I'm just before you. And I. Well, good morning, Church of the Word International. It's good to be here this morning with you all. How many of you are here for the very first time? If you're here, right here in the back, we have one. Welcome. We're glad to have you with us. We trust you're not here by accident and uh, that the Lord has something for you this morning. If um, our ushers, 
If they uh, would like to give you an information card, you're welcome to fill that out. And if you want to put down any prayer requests or anything like that, we'd be uh, glad to agree with you in prayer. And uh, if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand real high. The ushers will see that you get it. We are uh, going to return the tithe to the Lord this morning. We're grateful. Are you grateful that the Lord has given you resources, provided for you, taken care of you? You're not on your own? Oh, I am. (laughs) So if you're giving by credit card, do fill out all the blanks. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. Well, I wanted to add to what we said last week. Last week, if you weren't here, um, I talked about how God wants us to prosper and that the purpose of prosperity is to be a blessing. And we read 2 Corinthians 9.11, which says that as we are enriched in every way, to be generous in every way. So certainly you can reach more, do more, with more. But I wanted to bring out this morning, this is the point I wanted to bring out this morning, is that you do not need to wait to be generous until you have extra. All right? Generosity starts in the heart, not with the size of your bank account. So um, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus talked about this. Uh, Chapter 21 verse 1 says, Jesus looked up. Oh, he's watching what's going on here. So, and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering basket. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Now, it takes faith and trust to put in that last little bit that you have. You know, when you might think, what's two little copper coins? Big deal, you know. But hey, if you've ever been there where you don't have hardly two coins to rub together, it's a real temptation to have a scarcity mentality and to think, I got to hold on to this. I I mean, what... this is my, I could die if I don't, <laughs> you know, like I, we've been there. We've been there and wow, thank you, Lord, because he has changed the tables for us. It, we are not where we were at one time. I, there was a time where we gave the widow's might. Glory to God, he's prospered us and brought us out. <laughs> now, it doesn't say specifically here that she was in faith. But I believe she was, else Jesus wouldn't have gotten excited. I mean, if, this, if Jesus had been from the neck of the woods I was in, he'd have said, boy, I tell you what. Look what she, you know. He was excited. He was excited at what she gave. And we know it takes faith to please the Lord. So I, neither do I believe this is the end of the story. Because scripture says, as you, as you sow, you reap. Given it shall be given. Honor the Lord, and he honors you. So I don't think the story ends here. I know that not everything is written down, but I don't think the story ended here. Um, So just wanted to encourage you that we don't wait until, okay, let's take care of all of my bills, take care of all of my family's needs, and then let's look to see what we've got left before we can be generous. No, it starts with the heart. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous man will prosper. So let's purpose in our hearts to be generous, to have, to have a generous soul, and, and live that way, and, and then expect that God's going to keep his word. 
Expect to prosper. Expect God to expand you. All right? Let's take a hold of our tithe and let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you that your thoughts towards us are always abundant and that you do not desire lack for us in any way. And, and we just are grateful for the, the promise you've given to the tither, the promise of blessing, the promise of provision. We thank you for it in Jesus' name and amen. And the ushers will pass the baskets and the people will give to the Lord. Well, it's not too late to join our home groups. Um, they've recently started up, and we are going through Gifts of the Holy Spirit by Kenneth Hagen. So if you are not part of a home group and would like to be, contact Debbie. Her information's here in the bulletin. Also, our fall semester of LTS is starting up, uh, a leadership training school to deepen your walk with the Lord and really grow with, and be able to continue your job and things. It's like Bible school on your own time, and, um, you know, it, it takes, you need to have some commitments for your free time, but you st- it's not like you are needing to quit your job to attend Bible school, so that's really great. Amen. Also, wanted to mention there is a men's retreat um, Bill Hake is putting on a men's retreat, and there's information in the back, a sign-up sheet. The dates, I believe, are September 11 and 12. And so if you're interested in that, look for that sign-up sheet on the back and uh, pray about attending. Before I go any further, I want to uh, bring attention to it. Well, we actually have a whole bunch of new books in the uh, library downstairs. When you come into the, the uh, cafeteria, um, on, the, on the wall to the right are all the new books. On the wall to the left are, is the lending library. So on the right, those books are books to purchase, and we just f- um, put a whole bunch of new books down there so you can go down and look at them. As well as, um, I put a couple of these books down. It's called The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. And there's several of them down there. They're like $13, I believe. And um, it is a book that is very timely for this time and season that we're in. And if you are interested in what is our responsibility as a believer, and with the way our nation has been structured and set up, how do we interact with it? When is it okay to um, say, no, I'm not going to submit to that. That's wrong. And so that book is uh, an excellent book on that involving when it comes to civil issues. So I encourage you to pick up a copy if you're interested in that. Also, on the back table in the lobby, we have a little card that looks like this. I want to just remind you about it. Some of, some of you that have been joined us recently don't, don't know about it. And um, basically, it's a little card that you can put questions on that we provide biblical answers to your everyday life questions. It's not a comment card. It's not a suggestion card. I'll just throw those away. If you want to make a comment or suggestion, come talk to me, all right? Or send me an email or something like that. These cards are very specifically for that. So if you have something, and then what we do is we answer those um, publicly so that everyone is benefited to the answer to that question. And the card is pretty self-explanatory. If you pick it up, you can look it over and fill it out with your question. All right, turn in your Bible with me over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Nope, we've got to do something else first. Kevin. 
Okay, come. There's a, there's a, per, there's a person in this house today that God has pricked their hearts to join LTS. And right now, uh, during this time, you're reasoning, God's saying you're reasoning things out in your mind, logistics, etc. God says, just be obedient. Just be obedient and walk in peace. Amen. Amen. 